0: Enterprise Digital Podcast with Ian Aitchison and Barclay Ray, navigating the ever expanding service management maze. Well, hello once more. Here we are. It's the Enterprise Digital Podcast again. And we are back on Barclay Ray. And once more into the fray, we have uh, Ian Aitchison. How are you, Ian?
1: I am very, very well. Thank you, Barkley.
0: Yes, very well. That's good. We've both just been saying that we've, there are days when things feel a little bit more light than others, and today seems to be one of those. But um, hopefully, we'll get into some meaty discussion. Um, Indeed. Customary as it is, it's normally at this point that you come up with some truly fascinating trivia. Trivia time. This
1: week, I'm going to start you with a question. How's your Chinese?
0: Well, I like dim sum, and I like a bit of, um, you know, sweet and sour and so on. But in terms of speaking, nope. Spoken Chinese, yes. And I'm not sure what variant of spoken Chinese this
1: is. But if I said Z and Peng, Z and Peng, what would you say?
0: It's a mixture of Italian and Danish because Z is what people tend to say in Italy and Peng in Danish is is money. So um, In Chinese,
1: apparently, symmetrical Chinese characters, Z is happiness and Peng is friends, happiness and friends. Why am I telling you this? Because if you happen to go to Hong Kong Harbor at the moment, you will find in Hong Kong Harbor floating Z and Peng. And Z and Peng are two rubber ducks. Now, just to put this in context, they are 18 meters high, 18 meters, 59 feet for old people like you, Barkley. That's very, very large. And they're right in the middle of Hong Kong's harbor. And it's part of an art installation and the photos are amazing giant yellow rubber ducks z and Penguin. and i think that's lovely a bit of pointless glorious art makes the day pass
0: so usually if you come up with something disgusting or a scatological it's easy to kind of bash yeah. it you know but when you make it something nice then you <laughs> look bad if i try and criticize it how lovely that is Absolutely. right so moving on and moving on from our last discussion we're having a few of these sessions where it's just ian and myself and last week i was afforded the um the luxury of being interviewed about my life and career and this week our special guest is ian we're going to discover <laughs> some of his secrets and some of his facts and um achievements and you know hopes and dreams all those good kind of things welcome to the podcast ian <laughs> Thank you. It's great to be here. Okay, so we're going to follow on very much like we did last week to have a bit of a discussion that is a bit personal, but also a bit about your career. So um, let's look forward to that. Right, let's get started. Um, Ian, tell us a, a little bit, at the moment where you are in your life and career and in terms of work and where you live even i mean let's start there where where are you based
1: yeah today uh here i am in my home office once again in beautiful sunny farnham in surrey in the uk Mm -hmm. people ask me where that is it's like if you had a clock face around london it's seven o'clock on the clock face and out a bit into the countryside so beautiful place to be especially today the weather's gorgeous
0: that's a very nice place. Is is that where you've always been? I mean, where did you grow up and you know how where did well, you come
1: I, from? Well, I grew not grew up not far away? I, I was born and raised in a place called Rygate, which is next to a place called Redhill, also in Surrey, but the other side of the county, Surrey, south of London, about six o'clock on the clock face, about thirty miles away from here. And um yeah, had a, a typical happy childhood and uh, then went to university down in Brighton on the coast Brighton University
0: studying what what did you read at Brighton
1: Computer studies in fact no I'm sorry computer science because back in those days there was a very subtle difference between the two computer science amazingly
0: what did you actually get on that I mean was it was it programming was it you know this is what a monitor looks like this is GSP or I mean what, yeah. oh what yeah did it
1: yeah, yeah, and it's easy to sort of look back and say you don't get much from some of these things, but I do believe that sort of university education isn't just about what you learn, it's how you develop as a person, and there's a whole bunch of other things that go on. But, yeah, we we studied the h- hardware of computer systems at the time. You know, people would have maybe one home computer at a shop, MZ80K, I bet you don't remember that one, built-in screen and keyboard, and then an Amstrad, mm. remember those? Um, so computers were very basic and, uh, we'd sit in a room with terminals and we did COBOL programming and then go down to the print room to connect your print. It wasn't on cards, but it was on those, uh, big reams of linked printer paper. And you go and you find a little listing copy with a name on it. and There's all the printouts from your program that you ran.
0: Two or three uh, part listing paper. Yeah, uh, something like that. Yes.
1: That, you know, the ones you can peel off the edges that got holes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, did that did that stand me in good stead for a future career in the IT industry? Not exactly, but it gave me a good understanding of all the different moving pieces. I guess
0: at that time, were you determined to follow that path? I mean, or, or I mean, no, not at all.
1: Not to... No, no, I, I did a complete pivot. Actually, I discovered there, as I said, there's a lot of fun to be had and a lot of growing oh. to do. At university that isn't necessarily attending lectures. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I I fell into the exciting world of of nightclubs. I was I worked in a, a bar and a nightclub and then I was a bar manager and then a licensee and a nightclub manager. Um and so I, I did just manage to finish my degree, not very well. And then I spent the next two, maybe three years full time working in the uh the murky world of nightclub events, which was sticky, st- tremendous carpets. New. Hmm. um well that was in the days when you wouldn't have carpets in the nightclubs it was more concrete floors and uh, smoke yeah. machines and strobe and you wouldn't have a conversation with anybody ever but it was tremendous fun and yeah, I got from that many more useful skills for life things like uh, financial transactions and service and how to deal with people and how to motivate a team um, how to concentrate in a chaotic environment uh, how to plan how to market a strategy hiring firing A whole range of, because basically these are small businesses, so you pick up all of these skills. And then I found, you know what, it's not very healthy for me physically or financially. You do okay, but you're not going to end up earning considerable amounts of money in that industry unless you own a nightclub. And I wasn't close to that. So I had my degree. And so I started applying for computing career jobs, but using all the skills I picked up from the, the entertainment industry to help me with that.
0: Just to follow your uh, precedent last week, I mean, how how would I have walking down the street? How would I would I have come across you in terms of your attire at that <laughs> time? Were you were you you know a cool dude? Were you a... I, was a? I was a little bit of a cool dude.
1: I like to th- maybe I like to think I was a cool dude. I can't comment on what other people thought, but yeah, I. I I got a little bit into music and DJing and I hung around with a few people that knew people that were famous and that sort of thing, just tangentially rather than directly. And, you know, I had my crazy ponytail and shaved ah. hair and the earring and all of the crazy stuff that goes on that people do when they're that that fun age having a good time. No regrets.
0: So the, the ponytail and the earring are are not myths. They They are. <laughs> True fact. True facts. Okay, let's come back to music a little bit later if 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 we can. So that's all. That's all. Um, that's really interesting about the nightclub stuff and how that, and also how you learn from that. I mean, it is quite good fun working in that kind of area, I suppose. But it's not kind of long term. It's, it's not really a a, a choice if you're going to end up having kids and stuff like that. I suppose. I um, mean can I mean is that at a time when you met your wife and started have a family or when when did that happen? No, I uh
1: from there I, I applied for a job with a the police headquarters at the police headquarters near fairly near not in not in Brighton back in Surrey, Surrey police headquarters, running their IT help desk. So I it was a a new concept, a new position. It was me first, then we started to hire. I think there's one or two others that came on board. And I led the concept of we need some software called help desk software. There's this new thing called help desk software. We need a way to take all of these angry phone calls from police constables who are shouting about how their computer doesn't work and they're going to throw it out of the window. Nothing ever changes, right? And so we needed a way to track these to make sure that the team of Uh, engineers went out and fixed things for these policemen and women
0: angry coppers
1: yeah angry copper and indeed they were so you know if you want a good experience of dealing with people that are abrupt to the point uh, (laughs) uh, say it like it is and the way it is is often fairly abusive then you can be sure spending some time at a police headquarters is a good way to pick up some of that so you learn to deal with that a bit but then we selected some software this is going way back and that organization that sold the software to the police IT help desk approached me and said do you want a job and so I said yes I do so I moved to the software vendor space intercom data systems IDS help desk for windows was the was product name.
0: royal blue was that
1: and then in time that became royal blue yeah so I ran the customer support desk as it grew and grew and the company grew we got up to about it's global coverage of about uh, 20 people in support, I think. And then through the evolution of the company, it became touch paper after Royal Blue. Mm. Uh, And I moved through various roles as people do as they develop partner manager, best practice manager, product manager, resales director, that sort of thing. And then back into product management, all of it through this path of technology to help people, help people, technology to help people, help people. So I, I've got one foot in the software vendor product management camp,
0: uh-huh.
1: how to motivate global teams of enthusiastic product managers to build amazing products in in cloud ways, cloud cool modern ways, and the other camp in the other foot in the camp of service experience, the whole sort of industry space and events and activities and community around how to encourage an industry to be better at providing value to people that are trying to do their jobs with tech
0: how do you feel about the progression of going from you know that kind of operational side of things and running things and being you know dealing with end end user types to move to you know because latterly you've moved over to the product management side and and we have talked about this quite a lot in the podcast about similarities Mm -hmm. and links between those things but i mean what what did you need to do to be able to do that? You know, what I mean, what, what what other skills did you need to have or or acquire to be able to move into that area? Do you think? That's
1: a really hard hard question to answer. Uh, me personally, I, I well, no, I did go on a whole series of different training courses at various times. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people they evolve into different roles gradually as they pick up experience and as opportunities open up and i was lucky enough that the company i was with we were acquired by what was then landesk and that grew and grew and with that uh i opportunities opened up that i was able to move into and you build more and more skills so i'm not sure i quite answered your question but there, there are certain things around motivating teams of people communicating clearly Having an understanding of of your customer, understand your target, your ideal fit, understand who you're trying to build solutions for, certain mindset ways of incremental working, I'll say agile working, but I'm I'm, I'm mildly uh, cynical about some parts of of agile, but a certain amount of creative modern working to build things. Which, as we've said many times, whether you're building cloud based software or you're building modern services to enable people in your own organization, it's basically the same thing now. It's basically the same thing. And you look at things like service management and all the way back through ITIL, those activities you will find being done by software vendors. Uh, and the activities yep. where vendors do, particularly around things like product management, you'll see inside IT organizations as they mature, they're, mm. they're becoming very similar in the way they they operate once they were very different now because everything pretty much runs in the cloud is incrementally updated quickly is built based on outcomes and discovery and understanding the the value rather than building the
0: features in all cases they're very similar so you know again when you're throwing somebody out of a nightclub
1: it's... <laughs> we had we had um staff that would do the throwing out i'm glad yeah. to say i'm not big enough for that
0: but, you know, ensuring that you're, you've you got the right services available, the right drinks, the right music, the right oh. ambience. Um, Completely, yeah. And tying those things up, you know. Okay. One other thing I was going to ask you about that whole journey, and then we'll come on mm-hmm. to where you are a bit more recently mm-hmm. now, but just that whole thing of being in, in that company as it changed. Because, I mean, I did, I've seen it from the outside, from IDS and Royal Blue and uh, Landesk and Touchpaper and wherever they are now, I can't remember. Avanti. The it,
1: it grew into Avanti. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, what did you, I mean, just as a sort of general observation, did that work for you in the sense that you got, every time you got more exposures to different companies, did you yeah. find it challenging? I mean, I mean, did, did it constrain you? I mean, I don't think it has, but I mean, no, I'm no, always no. interested in on how people react to these kind of situations where you've got somebody sitting in the same company as it goes through several different iterations of itself.
1: Uh, yeah, two answers on that. One, the the organisation itself, as long as it keeps growing and expanding mm-hmm. and acquiring or being acquired, and both of those are very healthy things to happen for a company. Um, you'll find that new positions and new opportunities open up, and you're you've got a great amount of experience to be able to step in and hit the ground running. Um, mm-hmm. so it's very good, you know. As long as the company's growing, exciting opportunities come up. I mean, I. I in my career in that organisation stack, um, working with very very talented people, I was just you know floating around the outside talking about it. But what we did as a whole is we introduced many different products. I mean there was a service desk product, a change manager product that we acquired in the old Heat service manager product that came into Avanti. We built a new yeah. asset management product. There are all of these uh, an automation product, an identity product was acquired in from Res Software. And it was great. And what a great journey. What great fun. What great experience. The other side is the industry that you're in. So uh, I was lucky enough that journey was as the IT service industry as a whole was maturing and growing up. And so I was visiting large, familiar enterprise organizations talking about why technology can be used to help them on their service management journey, Mm. improving the delivery of service to talk to them about things like why ITILs really potentially relevant for some people maybe not for others but it's you know worth having a look and how taking a particular mindset can help you improve how it works and that was a period of time probably you know 2005 to 2016 something like that when the industry was just there was a there was a heck of a lot going on it's very exciting
0: oh. absolutely can I try and pin you down then To because when we when we did my session last week I ended up boiling what I do down to being Mary Poppins and, and however attractive that is or not I don't know but what would you say is that you actually do What, what what's the kind of core thing that you bring to an organization or, or, or your customers or whoever it is in terms of how you really add the value What what, what is it you that you now say that you are and don't say product manager because that's that's a compact <laughs> as, as as a role description, but the value part of it.
1: Yeah, um, on paper, one would say that the job I do, and it's we haven't mentioned. I'm, I'm now at next thing and VP product management, and on paper, what that means is I'm helping coordinate and guide a large product organization in the creation of really valuable. Mm high value products that helps the business grow that's kind of a dry thing to say it's kind of yeah it's a bit boring I, what do i bring specifically it feels like an interview partly but i, I think for me I'd probably where are go, you going to
0: be in five years Ian?
1: yeah i'd get no i'd go to i think clarity and communication because when you're in that world there's a hell of a lot that's going on and things move really really fast and there's a lot of very very clever very very technical people but they're they need to understand simplicity, understand the next step, but also talk to other people in an organization and beyond in a way that they can understand where you're going and what you're doing. So I'm a big fan of the importance of things like communicating some form of roadmap and vision and strategy around where a company is going. And I I now do quite a lot of of that sort of thing, quite a lot of that. This is where we're heading and this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. And that goes in all directions. That's really valuable for everybody. So think,
0: it, it, it's yeah. it's really being a, a, a somebody who sees the value of communications and makes sure that these things are all. That's a, that's a personal thing up. on me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the role fundamentally, you know, product leadership is about coordinating a bunch of product managers as they work with product teams. Very often, dis dispersed globally, often mm-hmm. with different time zones, sometimes different cultures and languages, mm-hmm. and coordinating so that everybody's doing their own thing in the best way they can and playing to all of their strengths, but all of those strengths are taking the whole ship in the right direction that we're heading in the right way. So part of that's about how organizations work, how features are planned, how uh, the future is planned, uh, how things are designed and worked out in a consistent and reliable way so that organizations can move quickly and take one step after another.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you know, moved on from Avanti to your next thing, And I mean, what what's, because it's a slightly, I mean, it's in the same general market area, but it's a slightly different area of focus. I mean, has how's that?
1: I'd love to say it was extremely clever career planning by me. And I honestly can't say that is the case. But at the time that I, I moved on from Avanti and um, moved over to next thing, it was already very obvious that the IT service industry and space and market was having to think very very hard about experience experience was coming up time and time again yeah and the concepts of digital experience management were just starting to grow and Mm -hmm. if you kind of look at that convergence of people and and technology you can either focus on keeping it running and fixing it when it breaks or you can focus on what makes people good at the job they do and how can we improve their environment so they're good at what they do and that's what digital employee experience is particularly about it's about stopping incidents rather than resolving them no Mm -hmm. more incidents none of that business it's all about happy employees being able to work effectively without being interrupted and fundamentally it's about technology and it's about people focusing their efforts on what's needed to make employees in an organization love Mm -hmm. the job they do with technology
0: sounds good um Let's move on to a couple of other things. Then, I mean, in terms of, so you live in Farnham. You, you got kids and family. Yeah, married,
1: yeah, married to a beautiful wife with uh, two gorgeous hulking teenage, well, not even teenage, eighteen and uh, nineteen and eighteen now actually. Yeah, nineteen and eighteen. So
0: wrapping, right. wrapping or strapping, wrapping
1: as yeah. in large. Uh, okay. One of them much taller than me,
0: and a dog. Oh, a abs- Dog is absolutely essential. So, <laughs> can I ask you then, if, if you hadn't gone into uh, technology and computing, and IT, and so on, what 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 do you think you would have been doing by this at this time now? What other areas might you have gone into?
1: Uh, there are many things. There uh, are There are many things I like to do, and many of them I do alongside career work. You know, I've I've always been passionate about music. Even a few years ago, I was back DJing again occasionally, which was great fun. I've got all the vinyl and the techniques and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I find myself now producing my own music, and you'll find me there in Spotify if you try. And I make no apology. It's not very good, but I don't care. I do it because it brings me pleasure. Um, But you'll Mm -hmm. find me there in in Spotify. you find me on podcasts. Here we are. I did a fair bit of blogging for a while, and I've been too busy with work to go back to do that. But all of those things around the outside, those are the things I – i kind mm. of like doing and when i'm not doing them i like to sit in the shade on a hot sunny day with a cold beer possibly by the water i love boats i've got a boat In fact, i've got a few boats none of them good all of them
0: shabby you um, have boats what sort of size of boats uh, small liners um <laughs> monaco so got, style yachts or
1: i've got a little seven foot rowing dinghy i got a 14 foot sailing dinghy, which is really old. I've got a little inflatable dinghy, and I've got a 22 foot huh? sailboat, which yeah, has a cabin and you can sleep four people in it in theory. But it's you know it's on that borderline. Would you call it a yacht? Oh, huh? barely. That's a sailboat,
0: yeah. Ah, so and had a ponytail, an earring, and he has a yacht. There we go. <laughs> There's like good. I money. Say,
1: like I say, a bit like the music in Spotify, it's not very good. And I make no apology for that because it
0: makes me happy. So is that music that you've written and, and played or, or sampled or what yeah, I,
1: no, that's that's just my own noodling around on on uh software.
0: Okay. you, T- software. Yeah. Interesting. So, Fascinating stuff. Brings us on then to sort of going forward and things that you would like to be doing i mean i I don't want i don't want the question to sound like an interview but uh, i mean are are there things that you still would like to do that you haven't done put it that way and might take more time to do in future if you if you had the opportunity
1: i remember when i interviewed you you studied philosophy didn't you
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so i recently discovered a philosopher and i i'm not a big Philosophy type of guy. That's not my thing. Mm. But uh I came across Albert Camus, who mm. I think it's a familiar name, Albert Camus. And I was quite impressed with some of the sort of summaries about his thinking. And if you're sort of talking about looking ahead, there comes a point, I think, when and Albert Camus talks about this. He he talks about it, it's not the final outcome of the effort that matters. It's the enjoying the effort itself. It's enjoying the doing uh-huh. of the work. He about Sisyphus rolling the rock up the hill. And it's pointless because the rock will always roll back down again and Sisyphus is is cursed to roll the rock back up the hill forever and eternity. And that's okay because...
0: Keeps him out of trouble.
1: He takes pleasure in rolling the rock. Mm. And uh, uh, Camus talks about the pleasure of travel. I love travel, of time with your family, or socialising, of community, of art of music, all of these things, which are all good. There doesn't have to be an ultimate end goal. And I think uh, one, where once I might've said I wanted to be CEO of a software company, uh, a, a ruler of the free world or whatever it may be, I'm much more interested in enjoying the journey now than the destination. So I'm getting a lot of pleasure out of doing mm. a lot of fun things, working with some brilliant people, producing some brilliant software, meeting some amazing customers, that are doing incredible things and doing fun stuff myself. So yeah, long long may it continue.
0: That's good. I mean, Camus wrote as well. I mean, he wasn't just a philosopher. There's, there are some philosophers that are very accessible and some that are completely inaccessible. If you're not one of the one of the most accessible, I think, is David Hume. It happens to be Scottish, but his the way he wrote, I think, was that's one of the challenges I think with philosophy, and I st- struggled with that at university was the way that many of them wrote was just so obtuse yeah. that, you know, whereas I mean, even Sartre, I suppose, is, is not particularly, well, it is, It's is quite enjoyable, but, you know, you want to read something and actually like it at the same time.
1: Yeah. I think like, you're right. There is a challenge there. And I discovered Albert Camus from <laughs> from YouTube videos and some things that popped up, which summarised his thinking yeah. and so when he read the books. But I wouldn't have read the books otherwise if I hadn't someone that's as someone had said, you should think about this and this and this. This is interesting. Is a thought experiment, and it um, is.
0: It's, it's a bit like doing service level agreements. It's, it's not the. It's not the end result. It's the. It's the doing of them, and it is quite pointless. That
1: comes up in in many things. Um, perfection is the enemy of execution as well, and that that one comes up in conversations quite a lot. You know, what matters is movement. What matters is. You know, we can be a bit messy in the things we do. We can be a little bit chaotic, but as long as we keep moving, and this applies building software products or almost anything. Take the next step, and then have a look about and see what the next step is to follow from there.
0: Do you think that's? I mean, in our industry, you you have people who are very technical and who have a perfectionist mindset, and and do you think that? Because I mean, someone like yourself who's a communicator and a translator of ideas and issues and challenges? I mean, is that where you see yourself really being able to bridge the gap between those people and the rest of the world?
1: I I remember we had a guest on the podcast and I can't remember who it was, but we had a guest who said too much technical skill can be a barrier to career growth if Mm. you try and go beyond a technical silo because you start to meet with and work with people that are not necessarily detailed, perfectionist minded, but have other ways of thinking. So don't get me wrong, I think it's important to work with people that are super, super talented. But let's take an example of a restaurant, and I'm riffing off the top of my head here. You need someone that's incredibly detailed as that head chef, cutting every little piece of carrot into a perfect flour and putting that perfect blackcurrant jus across the plate in an immaculate and absolutely perfect way but then you've got waiters and waitresses that are going out there that need to communicate with people about what's coming and why the food's good and then you've got people marketing the restaurant you've got people that got to work with the restaurant reviewers that come in and then you've got people that got to run payroll and they don't all need to be able to cut a carrot into a perfect flower all of them together make up the whole you need all of them you need you need that team of different skills if you go back to your roots and, and service management you need teams of people that understand business, understand people's mindset and emotion, understand technical factors, understand how IP networks work and um, what microservices are and all of these pieces. You need all of that. You need all of those people together. If you only have one type, you are, as an organization, you're going to be hindered in success.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing to really, because we talked about music earlier on, let's just go back to that because um just be interested to know what, sort of music you like you know what what sort of things have um, floated your boat over the years in terms of types of music or styles of music
1: I'm not prepared (laughs) I don't I don't have a, a short list as such I suppose when I was a child growing up there was a fair amount for my older sisters there was a fair amount of Pink Floyd and Genesis and then when I started to have my own Taste in music, moving beyond your prog rock roots, Barclay. Uh through the into the sort of 80s synth music and the Depeche mode, of course. And I was into the cure as well, the cure great Yeah. And then uh late 80s and into the electronic dance music and music of a of a uh di- a digital, although organic nature is is probably where my my mind is. I tend to listen to things I haven't listened to before, if that makes sense. I don't play the same. Hmm. Artist and album over and over again. There's a few. I mean, you know, I'm a passionate lover of of Kate Bush. Always have been. Um, not literally, not physically, but the. Uh, I have a friend who
0: knows her. her. <laughs> I can tell her. <laughs> well, yes, possibly. But no, you it, and I it, went to see Kate Bush not that long ago, and it was it was it, fantastic.
1: Yeah. It was truly fantastic. So you know, there are certain things like that. So I, I wouldn't say I'm locked to any one style, but generally, there's a there's a beat, and it generally comes from a machine. Uh, and I find that's often the the most organically moving of all music. Excellent.
0: Well, just before we before we close off at the end, and we'll come round to the drink question, of course. But just sort of rounding back off. I mean, do you, from the sort of relaxation point of view, are, are there particular other forms of I don't know. Are you interested in sport or art or films or those kind of things that you know, or any particular area of that that people might tune into what's your what's your what's best book you've read in the last couple of years for example
1: oh you see i need to prepare for things like that because i read like a crazy loon i've always got a kindle on the go and the great yeah. thing about it is they recommend the next book and you you, you go down and and you a don't remember what it was yeah oh yeah you don't know the author you don't know the title you go down one rabbit hole after another after another but um, do you read
0: i mean do you read business books and things like that or or is, do you yeah,
1: well you know on the the shelf behind me one thing that i've referred to a lot recently in my i guess in my career is um, inspired and empowered both books about modern product management by marty kagan and the silicon valley product group uh i i'd recommend those particularly the inspired one to anybody that's looking at moving creation of technology from an old style thinking to a, a modern model which is that blend we talked about you can see it in service management you can see it in uh, software vendor organizations it's anything that's built into the cloud in any form they're all doing that and i think that's a great one because it talks about that the concept of the the product leader and the product manager uh as almost a ceo of a little functioning collection of people with different skills and functions trying to achieve a group outcome so yeah that one's very good
0: okay uh, just one one question and we talked a little bit about this last time but travel i mean you like you've done a lot of travel you've been to lots of different places yeah um, is there any, anywhere that you still haven't been that you would like to go to do you think
1: and the great thing about the career i've had so far is it has involved lots of great travel to really interesting places uh and often when you do that you get a little bit of time sometimes in the evening to go somewhere or to do something or in the and you get a little bit of downtime and you get to see things you would not otherwise see there's a lot to be said from that i'm very grateful and i'm very lucky i have not been to australia uh i'd like to uh, go to south america mm-hmm. that's certainly good although i i have a family a strange family connection with italy and i'm learning italian at the moment and i found going to italy and the italian culture a uh, molto bene so I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that my wife is legally an Italian passport holder and I'm gradually easing my way into that. But those that know me know that when I say gradually, I mean very, 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 very slowly. Indeed, I'm learning one new Italian word about a week and I apologize to my Italian colleagues. Who I know are frustrated at how slow I'm learning Italian. It's crazy.
0: Well, good luck with that language. Learning language is a, is a, is a great skill and a great capability to have. Thank you very much for all that, Ian. Really interesting stuff. We shall pause there and reflect and uh, reflect on your career and uh, achievements. Thank you. Been a pleasure. At this point, I would really like to go back into, you know, and just conduct the rest of the um session in italian but i can't speak italian <laughs> so yeah aspetta whoever it is the, the traditional part of this of course is is now that we we um talk about how people might contact you, you know they should be able to contact you through the podcast of course yeah, but are there any other ways that they can get a hold of you
1: yeah you find me on the podcast you find me on linkedin you find me on twitter those are probably the main reason i do have a blog out there but it's a little bit out of date now one day i'll get back to updating it um that does still exist out there H. S. N. insights ai i got that one right didn't
0: i that was a good one it was good that as well very good stuff on that blog i have to yeah. say i need i just
1: need to give it some attention it will come back around mm-hmm. uh, that's for sure i do find myself slightly pulling away from social media interestingly and the I'm, I'm observing the negative effects of doom scrolling I'm aware of that. I am guilty. I'm very guilty. I do that myself, yeah. and I I know it's bad for us. I and so I'm. I used to tweet a lot. Uh, I used to LinkedIn more than I do, and I found myself sort of just leaning back from those a bit. I'm much more of an observer at the moment. But you know, these things go through waves and change.
0: They do. I mean, when Twitter was out at first, it it, it was a it was fantastic. I think it really was unifying. Brought a lot of people in the industry together that I'd never actually met. I mean, I met so many people through.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah.
0: We're, we're and, probably. And, and it was doing, fun.
1: We're probably only doing this podcast thanks to Twitter um, way back.
0: Quite possibly. Um,
1: and many connections back in you know the 2012, 2013 time yeah. period. Lots of people in the industry were, were connecting. It was much more of a platform for people with a common industry to communicate much more than it is now
0: i think there was also some there's also a bit of false nostalgia about the way the industry used to be and actually before social media I, i didn't find it as anything like as you know friendly as it is now yeah yeah talking about being friendly and sociable and and so on um let's let's cut to the quick what your recommendation for the bar is. Um, It's really important part of the the podcast, as you know. It is
1: really important. And obviously uh, I've given it a great deal of thought, Barkley, what should I put on the podcast bar? Uh, And uh, we mentioned Italian earlier. So I I think also with it being a beautiful hot summer's day, there is no better drink I've discovered recently than an Aperol spritz on a hot sunny day. It's it's a delight. So I'm happy with a cold beer or a nice glass of wine. Anytime, but if you ask me for something right now, I'm here uh-huh. wearing short trousers and a T-shirt. Um, uh, I would have an Aperol spritz, please, in a large
0: glass. A large Aperol spritz. We've had a few variations of that in the podcast as well, haven't we? We've had people who have mm. different types of sp- spritz and one with a twist and one with a, whatever. That's good. Okay, uh, thank you for that. Um, appreciate your, your time and your input on that, Ian. We will be resuming... Um, with a number of guests for for the next few weeks, we've got a few people lined up, and um, I think it's been quite good to have these little chats. But thank you for that, and we'll we'll see you all again soon on the Enterprise Digital Podcast.
1: Thanks very much. Bye bye.